This podcast is brought to you from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode 64 of the EdTech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and I am joined today, as always, by Mindy Carney. Welcome back. Hey, good to be back. It is, yeah. Summer's over, though. Yeah, so sad, but here we are. And we are joined by one of my favorite people, oh. Lynn Kleinmeier. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, can we circle on that for just a second? Sure. One of your favorite people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's a lot of the intros that you talk about, like being joined by some of your favorite people, and I feel like it's kind of disingenuous. I really want to know: Am I really one of your favorite people, Jonathan Wiley? Here, well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm, you know, having you on, this is like your second or third time on the podcast, I think. You know, I think if everything goes well today and you're happy and I'm happy, then maybe we just have you as our new permanent co-host and we replace <laughs> oh! Mindy. <laughs> Done. That's a deal. Done. Yeah. I'm new assistant. So. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So that can be my new intro. And my new assistant, Lynn yeah. Klein. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't introduce Mindy as my assistant, do I? <laughs> no, that's no. just Jason Marshall does that. Yeah, Jason does that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, should we do some uh, summer updates, news, things that people might have missed? Sure. Uh, and I put on here things that Mindy might have missed as well. Oh, yeah, <laughs> man. It's summer comes and I totally log off. I uh-huh. turn off Twitter. Nice I turn off email. I turn off everything. So, yeah, you're like, summer updates. It's like, yeah, so what? What? what's going on out there? But I do know one. I'll start, though. Because I do have the Seesaw stuff, of course. So Seesaw had a bunch of updates um, this summer, great updates. They added some more tools to their creative options with Inside Seesaw. Uh, You're able to take pictures right inside, multiple pictures right inside Seesaw. Um, They added a glow pen, which is fantastic. Kids are going to love that. Teachers are going to hate it. Mm -hmm. And um, one other thing that they added was uh, shapes. So, like, stickers of sorts, but they added um, base 10. So, there's hundreds, tens, and ones in there. So, kids can use those, which I think is something teachers are really, really going to love, too. Um, just so you know, too, if you're creating new classes, that the default settings have changed a little bit here and there. So, you might want to go in and just make sure that your class is set up exactly uh, as you'd want it. They also added a sample student. So, teachers can go in and play as a sample student and the last thing, which I thought was kind of neat, was they added a Chrome extension as well. That's for Seesaw. And the Chrome extension itself is nothing crazy. It's just the ability to take a screenshot. Um, but once you create that screenshot, it loads it directly into your your student account or your teacher account as long as you're logged in somewhere in your browser. So I thought that was kind of a quick way to, for students to share things that they're creating outside of Seesaw, take a quick screenshot of it with the uh, Seesaw Chrome extension, and then it plops it right in their account. So does it automatically post it, or does it give you like... It doesn't an, automatically post it, so you can go new... and annotate on top of it cool. and do all the um, still get all of those features that Seesaw has. So uh, if you don't have the Seesaw Chrome extension, might be something that you want to think about. Nice. Yeah. I love that, the sample student piece, yeah. because that, you always want to experience what your kids are experiencing. So Absolutely. that's awesome. You have to Good log call. out and log back in yeah. and all of that stuff, so... Okay, also new are some Flipgrid updates, and I, I've been digging into these a little bit over the last couple of days. Have you tried those, Mindy? Be- 
did you miss the whole part before where I said no? This is like the first time I've turned my computer on in a month. You paid attention to the seesaw stuff. I thought I maybe did, it's yeah. hard to ignore all the like Flipgrid stuff from yeah, Misty. No, I um, I just figured really somebody exciting. else has got the Flipgrid stuff covered. So if right. I need to, so yeah, tell me about it. What's up? Uh, well, they have Flipgrid AR now, where you can create these little um, stickers so that you can have your Flipgrid video appear in augmented reality, which I think is unusual yeah um i need more information about that i know they announced it at flipgrid live and so they had some sample videos that showed um kind of the the ability to pop up and so it's like a rasma but Mm -hmm. with flipgrid Mm -hmm. yes yes all right thank you i think an interesting thing is the close caption support Mm -hmm. that they Mm -hmm. have built in now and also video transcripts that are automatically created of all your videos so really? people can uh, see the text version as yeah, well as the nice. audio version. And I think the big thing that's getting a lot of attention right now is the new camera. I think they're calling it the shorts camera. Although I don't know why shorts, <laughs> but um, it has video filters built in. So you can be like black and white. You oh. can be like, I don't know, a different shade. And But one of the interesting ones, I think, um, is... The pixelated one, okay, where you can just have like a pixelated version of yourself, oh, so you don't actually see your face on nice. things. And you know, some people yeah. don't actually want to see their right. face on Flipgrid, so you can turn on the pixelated one too. And then you don't have to use the little tape in front of your camera. Mm-hmm. Yes, there you go. <laughs> right, um, or your thumb or yeah. something. Yeah, uh, you can add text boxes on top of video. You can add stickers, so like emojis and different. Um, arrows and, mm-hmm. and things like that sure you can draw an ink live on top of uh, your video really yeah so you know if you had a mobile device and you turn your camera the other way around and you're pointing at something yeah. you can ink on top of it while nice. you're recording and they've got like a, a whiteboard mode as well um. if you wanted just to switch over to a whiteboard mm-hmm. during your video and yeah. draw something and then flip back to your webcam you can you can do that too and you also get to trim and uh, rearrange all those uh, video clips. Nice. Flipgrid's been busy. Yeah. Yes. I love it. It's kind of a mashup of some of our favorites. You know, mm-hmm. you think about Snapchat and you think about um, clips and things like that. The, yes. the ability of filters and the rearranging portions. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Yeah. Yes. So nice yeah. job. Good job, Good Flipgrid. job, guys. Mm-hmm. I'll link to a couple of things in the show notes. There is the Creator's Guide to the Camera and Shorts by Mike Mohammed and... 20 activities to bloom with the new Flipgrid camera, which is from um, Matt Miller. And he took the Bloom's taxonomy and kind of related it back to things you can do with the Flipgrid camera. Nice. Good resources there. Mm -hmm. Next up, Google. Yeah, lots of Google stuff. Okay. So we talked about that locked mode for managed Chromebooks before. We have, yeah. It's live. It's here now, huh? Yeah. If you go into the settings of a Google form, you'll see a little checkbox that says uh, manage Chromebooks Mm. and you can um, lock your quiz so that kids can't open a new tab and Google the answers. Yay. (laughs) Okay. Mixed emotions, but yes, (laughs) yes, there could be some value. Don't ask questions. Your kids can Google. There you go. Okay. Uh, speaking of questions, you can import questions from other Google Forms into your new or Ooh, existing I like forms. That. Okay, yeah. that's so a major win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you take those time to craft those amazing questions right. that people can Google, then you can mm-hmm. import those into your new Google Form. Nice. Is it become like a bank of some sort, or how do you do it? Do you know? 
Um, yeah, you just say import question and choose the Google form, and then you just choose the questions. You choose them one by one? To. So kind of like when you import slides from other slides. Exactly. Oh, okay. Got yes. it. Got yes. it. Okay. Um, there's a couple of new betas they've got uh, coming out. One is Classroom Grade Sync, where um, if you join this beta, you will have the option, if you use Infinite Campus or something called Capita Sims, uh, to have your grades from Classroom sync to student information systems. Yeah, are they? Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. SIS, yep. Um, so at the moment, it's limited to just those two uh, platforms, mm -hmm. but they said more integrations are coming soon. So yeah. the whole double entry thing. It's interesting mm -hmm. that they're making that crossover, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so there's a sign up for that. Um, I'll add a link if you are interested in signing up and using one of those two platforms. Okay. Oh, I saw this too. You have on here about classroom rubrics. I thought I didn't realize that was in beta. I thought that was just a thing that was showing up now. I think that's also a beta right now. Yeah, um, okay. where you can create rubrics for assignments, and students can see the rubrics, and mm -hmm. you can you can grade with the rubric uh, on there too. Right. So, useful thing to have. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, is there one other thing? Remind. I, I do feel like I did see this somewhere though. Is about um, originality check. Somewhere yes. is that in going to be in Google Classroom or do you know how that's managed? What is that? Where's I think that it's from? within Google Classroom. Yeah, um, I would need to uh, look back at the details of it, but um, it's my understanding it's within Google Classroom that students can run three checks on any of their pieces of work to see whether or not they're uh, maybe getting, getting, getting get a little busted bit, yeah, get busted. Um, <laughs> I, and then teachers will be able to run right. those okay. as well, um, which is kind of nice to be able to do it right within the platform sure. mm -hmm. um, if you have some concerns. Yeah. Well, Google Classroom yeah. is doing a good job here. Yeah. So the, there's a small asterisk with this, I think, as, oh, I, as I read through it. So it with says, the originality well, thing? Yeah. Okay. Once the feature is generally available, I'm quoting here, instructors will be able to oh, access yes. originality reports at no charge for up to three assignments in each course they teach. Uh -huh. Schools that would like unlimited access can upgrade their instructors to G Suite Enterprise for Right. Because I saw this through, you sent an email about this, right? And they yeah. were like, who doesn't, is anyone buying Enterprise for Education? Yeah. It made me wonder if now. There's going to be certain features that come out that you'll get certain yeah. amounts for free with the free one, but then if you mm -hmm. want the full thing, or may maybe they won't go that way. I don't know. Well, but. and the SIS integration would definitely be something that I would think you'd eventually purchase, right? Maybe. Like, I can't imagine they're just going to let that be free, but... It depends on those companies they're working with. Mindy Carney. Yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know. So I was super excited to see that Google um, has also been hard at work in uh, some accessibility features for Google Docs in particular. Mm -hmm. um, through our agency, we've been doing a lot of work with accessibility. And uh, one of the things I had never really considered is when people are collaborating in real time, if mm -hmm. somebody needs to use a screen reader, um, that that was not picking up, that they couldn't see the real time edits. And mm -hmm. so Google is now um, putting in a feature uh, that is on a slow rollout right now um, that will have to be turned on through like tools and accessibility. But what it does is it pops up a sidebar mm -hmm. that helps um, with those who are using screen readers and it kind of gives them that interaction so huh. that they can see um, and, and experience those live Mm -hmm. edits and so they get that um so it's like up. a Here's feed of edits over on the yeah, right hand side I yeah see. and so it's on a gradual release right now um 
In fact, it was supposed to be starting um, August 20th, and so over 15 days for the rapid release. And then the scheduled release stuff won't be happening until September 10th. And so it's actually not anything that I have yet, um, but they uh, have that ability now to show those live edits for, for people who need it. And so I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. Good one. See, look at you contribute. I know. I feel like um, I've now contributed. I Well, this is your audition for now you can yes. co host. Yes. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, stick around. Am I doing okay? Yeah. Uh, a couple more. Um, iMovie now has green screen on the iPad. It's okay. It works well. Um, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not necessarily going to replace your doing app anytime right. soon because. I couldn't find a way to like, you can't like pinch and resize things or move them around the screen a little bit. They're just mm-hmm. stuck wherever you film them. So unless sure. they add some extra things to that, um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, they also have 80 new music tracks. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, I know it. It's about time, right? <laughs> How many times have you heard a video or saw a video yes. online and you're oh, like, that's for my movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> The new music tracks are kind of cool, though, because they will, um, if your video is like three minutes long, it will automatically end the music after three minutes. Not oh. like fade out. It just like changes the music and makes it finish on exactly three oh, minutes. Oh, that's nice. So that's kind of neat, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And last but not least on here, because I know Mindy has uh, complained about this in the past. I put this on for oh, you. yes, I have complained. Mm-hmm. Canva has bought Pexels and Pixabay. In order to pixels in pixelate, pixels in pick. In order to expand their free image library, yes, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yes, because there was a they were getting to the point where there wasn't a ton of free stuff out there anymore. Mm -hmm. Not a ton, not like there used to. I think, and that's just it. Like when we used to use Canva, and it was completely free. That was great, you know. And then they just start taking stuff away and putting price tags on it. So there you go. Thanks, Canva. You're the best. You're the best. All right, up next, serve to you piping hot. Our main course is getting things done digitally. Productivity tips for educators. Wow. Wordy title. <laughs> you like that? Were you just like, wow, how many words can I put in a title of a podcast? It was longer, but then I just... It was it was longer than this? No, it wasn't. Cripes. <laughs> All right, so we're back to the grind again. And so uh, this episode is going to be a little bit about your productivity and how you use different tools. Recommendations are things that you hate that you do, but you continue to do. So <laughs> other people don't do them too. Yes. How about that? Yeah. It's back to school time. And right. uh, we all have to deal with things like email, calendar, and to-do list things. So I thought it might be fun if we just did a kind of roundtable thing and mm-hmm. went around and talked to each other, interrogated each other, <laughs> asked questions at each other about how we do those things. All right, so, manage your workflow. Should we start First with tool? email? Yeah, sure. Everybody gets email. Everybody does the email. Mm-hmm. Who wants to start? Mm-hmm. Okay, they're looking at oh, me, okay. and I feel like I have heart palpitations because I know Mindy's an inbox zero kind of girl. I am. And, um, Let's see how – you know, Maybe this should be true. For, how many um, emails are in your inbox right now? Mm-hmm. Everybody look. No, Two, I don't four, want to tell you. Six, eight, um, I've got ten. Red or unread? Um, 
Mm-hmm. I have a whole management system. Um, no, don't look. <laughs> I'm feeling judged. I thought we were in a judgment-free zone. Um, no, no, nope, you <laughs> never said that. That's no. never been said. No, that's, uh-uh. I, I keep saying it, hoping that that's how it will be. But um, you know, it's interesting because I. Uh, I so love listening to how other people manage their workflows. And this is just kind of one that works for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I I let everything go into my main inbox. I do too. Um, And then as I go through things, I manually move them to my labels because Mm -hmm. that's my way of clearing things out. I do that too. Um, But I don't move them until things are completely finished with them. Right. And um, so sometimes things sit there for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have a whole system, like a color coding system with our lovely indicators and stars of prioritizing things that I need to circle back. Um, It's kind of a complex system. It is. And it means that I'm never at inbox zero. Mm -hmm. So your email is kind of like a to-do list as well? Yep. Okay. Here's one of the things as we're talking today, you're going to find I am a to-do list in all sorts of forms. Like mm-hmm. I have to-do lists to make to-do lists. And so <laughs> um, my email is kind of like my to-do list to be able to circle back. Right. And I do yeah. the same exact thing. My difference is, is that I don't keep things in my inbox. I snooze them out of my inbox. Mm. So like right now, like just in that matter of time, I deleted four emails because it was just junk stuff. But the emails that I have in there are all things I need to take care of today. And if they don't need to be d- taken care of today, then I snooze them to the right day. Mm. So that's why I love that little calendar button over in your right-hand navigation with your little calendar icons. What's that little thing called over there, you think? With like your little add-on. It's not let's, really add-on. Because your Zoom, my yeah. Zoom add-on is over there now, too. What it's do you a, call that? It's just called a side panel, I think. It's just – okay, yeah. so on my side panel – with the calendar, just open that up and then I'll find, okay, when can when will I work on this? Mm-hmm. And then I snooze it to that. And then I might even put time on my calendar to take care of that project. But it keeps my inbox from being overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Do you snooze things, Lynn? Not often. Me too. Um, I, you you too, like you don't snooze things? I don't snooze things. Oh my gosh. I bet I have 30 things in my snoozed all the time. No, because really? I'm, yeah. I'm afraid that I would miss them and so i like to i like to but keep they things send it visible back to you it goes I know, to the top but I like of to your keep inbox visible yeah. so that if i have that moment of being able to circle back I then can. you just and click on your snooze right here i want it okay I, that's I, fine. I need it in my face okay. i need it visible at all times all right yeah okay all wiley right. um so i have a little bit of a theme that kind of runs through my workflow and that's based on a book i read called getting things done by David Allen, and mm-hmm. I kind of adapted parts of that to make it work for me. But, um, and when he, oh, a new email just came in, I just thought I'd uh, update you on that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what I do with my email is, it is kind of based on that system. And the system is if you can deal with that email in two minutes or less, mm-hmm. deal with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's done. Yeah. If not, then email really falls into two categories. Um, which I have two labels for. Okay. Now, I have a whole bunch of labels, but I don't use any of them anymore. I only use two labels. Mm -hmm. I just haven't deleted the other labels. So my two labels are uh, waiting for. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for somebody to do something, or I'm waiting Mm -hmm. to find out more information, or I'm Mm -hmm. waiting to something, or something needs action. It needs done. So Mm -hmm. it's like something is a task, basically, almost like Mm -hmm. your to-do list stuff. So there's four emails in my inbox right now. Three are unread. 
and one is just one I need to talk to Lynn about today. Oh, um, do you want to talk about right now? We could. <laughs> <laughs> so generally speaking, I just, you know, do the two-minute rule and deal with the ones I can deal with when they're there. Otherwise, they go into waiting for or they go into action. Right. And then I just need to be good at checking those two folders whenever I get time to work on email. Right. So um, what if you see – this is where I get – sidelined sometimes with my emails I'm working on something else and I really like that I have is it called Gmail checker or whatever it is where my notification pops in that I have um, a new email and if it's spam and stuff or whatever promotional stuff then I don't look at it but if it's from someone I know needs a response it's you know like Mm -hmm. you can tell Mm -hmm. if it's an email to you or not I always check those and sometimes I get sidelined then because I'm like I don't know if it's just the job that I feel like I need to respond immediately because I'm mm-hmm. sitting right here. But that stuff, sometimes I wonder if that's the best tool to have so that I get notifications all the time when they pop up. Do you guys have that thing too? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it just depends on, I mean, what I'm working on at any given time. Yeah. Um, I don't have the notification thing that comes up, but I, I have it on the tab where it says the number of unread emails yeah, and that right. will just like even just when just that changes. higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I'm doing something I need a lot of concentration on or something I don't want to be distracted on, I try and just close that email tab Yeah. and then just don't have email there and then I can't see it and then I'm not distracted by it. So yeah. I would guess your extension probably works in the background anyway does, and just yeah, pulls right. that stuff through. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I would tend to do. Yeah, and I don't have those because I know I yeah, would get right. distracted and then right. I would have to go check and see oh my goodness, does somebody need something? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we are in a service industry yeah, where we right. want to help and support our, right. our districts or whoever's asking for help. So, um, yeah, I just know that I get distracted if those things pop up. Mm-hmm. Email is just one of those things that I don't, you read about it and people say, oh, it's going to die and we're never going to need email again. But I feel like we've got it for like the next hundred years. Oh, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I don't we'll be emailing, checking our email till we die. Yes. <laughs> It's the truth. One thing that I do like um, is the follow-up that, Mm -hmm. you know, shows up now. So if I send something, a lot of times when I send something, then like I use my email as a to-do list too. But once I send it, it's gone. And sometimes I forget like, oh, I sent that email and I love that it comes back. And it's like, hey, you sent this five days ago. Do you want to follow up? You haven't heard anything back. And I love that that is an option because you know, out of sight, out of mind sometimes when you have a system like, Mm -hmm. you know, email is your to-do list. So yeah, really, I think that's great, a great feature that they added in. Yeah. I love the nudge. Yeah. Mm. I like that because at least in my, in my head, when I've replied to something, usually it's like I request more information before I can do something. At least I know, okay, that that's done. It's taken care of. I'm waiting for them. So I could put it in my waiting for, but I don't always do that. So the the nudge is good. Yeah, Yeah. Right. All right. What's next? Calendar. Ooh, calendar. Mm. Should we talk about calendar? What goes on your calendar? How important is your calendar? How do you uh, protect time on your calendar? Mm -hmm. What's your best calendar tips? Well, let's go back to Lynn again. Oh, we get to start again? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so the question of how important is my calendar? Um, I live by my calendar. Like, I would not be able to function without that calendar right there in front of me all the time. And so I have... um, you know, with work, everything that I'm putting in, I had to figure out a system when I first came to the agency of trying to figure out um, how I was going to 
communicate to myself where I needed to be and when. Um, and so one of the things that I had originally started doing was I factored in drive time to my calendar events. And oh. I quickly learned that was a bad choice for me. <laughs> so um, it's nice because I arrived very early at uh, different locations. But, um, you know, trying to figure out exactly what I'm putting in, I try to account for all of my time as much as I possibly can. So whether it's a meeting or whether it's the um, kind of factoring in those things that I need to get done, I, I try to block out calendar time, whether or not I stay true to that. Um, sometimes not so much, but mm -hmm. I try to block out the, as much time as I can um, for all of all of the things that we have to do, you know, whether it's meeting with our districts or putting together um, presentations or whatever it is that we have to do. Um, I do put on the notifications and I have several different ones because I guess my biggest fear in this job is um, missing something and yeah, not right. showing up. And so I, when I put things in my calendar, I set up my my settings so that I always get um, an email the day before. Oh I get the morning of... Do you delete get, those right away then or do you keep them in there until you're done with your meeting? Those ones I go ahead and delete. Okay. But it's just that nice... Um, once again, you're going to find this common theme for me is keeping <laughs> things visible. I need it because um, it's out of sight, out of mind. But so I get that um, notification the day before. I get an email in the morning that says, here's your entire agenda. And then I have it set for um, like a half an hour before an event. It will go to my phone. Um, oh just as a reminder, gosh, wow. I told you yeah, I have right. a fear of like missing something and, and leaving somebody high and dry because I miss something on my yeah, calendar. Right. So this is what I do just to make sure I'm, I'm constantly aware of where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. It makes sense. Yep. What about you, Wiles? Um, what did you call me? <laughs> Wiles. 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 Okay. I like it. Um, so I guess, I don't know. I'm. I, I do live and buy my, die by my calendar too, I guess, in lots of ways. But I only put things on my calendar or I try only to put things on my calendar that are getting done at that specific time. And What do you mean by that? Like if I have a meeting at 9.30, it goes on at 9.30. If oh, I'm yeah. just working mm -hmm. on email and to-do lists, something like that, I don't necessarily always put that on my calendar. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should to account for my time and be more transparent I guess maybe more like what Lynn was talking about but I'm not always good at doing that or sometimes I'll just block things off and sometimes I'll put to-do lists and I, I feel like I need to get better than just putting to-do lists I need to be more specific about the things I put on my calendar otherwise specific things don't always mm -hmm. get done but mm -hmm. um, my email and my to-do list are my biggies uh, my calendar is kind of somewhere in between hmm. I think but I, I I only really use calendar for work, and we were almost talked about yeah. this before. I I turn off weekends on the calendar view, um, so that I only see work views, and I only really look at my calendar when I'm at work. So, um, don't really use it for personal stuff or the weekend mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. things like that. Too. Right. Well, I live and die by my calendar as well, and my personal life and professional life both go on the same calendar because. I have a lot of sports in my life um, as far as my kids are concerned. And so I have to have all of those things all in one place so that I can make sure that I have travel time to get from work to a practice or pick up the kids or whatever. And then because um, – and then I share my work calendar with my husband so he knows all of the things that might play into the day. So um, – as far as the things that I put on the calendar outside of my personal life are, like I set aside, um, it's kind of like my to-do list on my calendar too. So 
I didn't used to put all of my different projects and stuff on my calendar as far as prep time and things like that. But what I realized is if I didn't put those things on my calendar, people would invite me to things Mm -hmm. because they'd look at my calendar because we share calendars with lots of people um, that they'd be like, oh, she's got like a whole day here. When in fact, like I had a whole to-do list of things that needed to get done that day. Um, And so there'd be a meeting and I'd be like, well, yeah, I can go. And -hmm. in the back of my mind, I'm starting to stress out because that's Mm -hmm. a three-hour meeting and I have all this stuff that needed to get done that one Mm -hmm. day. That's what I was yeah. talking about when I yeah. sometimes leave gaps in my calendar yeah. and it's like, it's not because I'm sitting there and my hands right. wondering yeah. what to do next. Right. It's, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that's why I kind of put those things on my calendar now is just that communication with our colleagues that if they're trying to schedule a meeting, they can always contact me um, to say, right. hey, you know, what do you got going on? Yeah. Is that really time that you, you're out in district? Can, can you be flexible with that? How important is that? How important is that really when you put that there? Well, and we can um, push a lot of things sometimes too, mm-hmm. though, because there are days where we're more flexible and we're like, oh, I could push this to another day or whatever. But the nice thing about it is that at least it's covered. So people ask instead of just inviting. Exactly. Too, so, yeah. And I kind of like you, I do, um, I share my work calendar with my husband as well, just so that he has an idea of kind of where I am, Mm -hmm. um, especially traveling wise. Right. Um, but then also my personal account, um, I've shared it with my work account so that I can see those views so that I can kind of factor that in. So multiple calendars for multiple purposes. I just get tired of flipping back and forth between calendars. I I just forget it. I can either see it's either like a gender thing going on here or it's just a lazy thing on my part. Because your wife has a pretty tremendous calendar at your house. and she shares it with me. (laughs) Yeah, oh, so I see. But then sometimes it started off, I think I'd put things in my calendar and it'd also be on her calendar. And there's the two events of both calendars and I don't need to see both of those. Yeah, you need like one calendar. So my husband runs his life off of my work calendar, which doesn't seem right, but (laughs) whatever. Yeah, it's fine. I guess one other thing I should say about calendar is I, I have one, I try to have one appointment that's the same every week. Yeah. And I have one, and sometimes you guys have asked me about it before, but I have one on my calendar called Weekly Review. Well, I, I know, try, that's when you and I sit down together and I tell you how I feel like you're doing mm-hmm. it's your job. Okay. Yeah, that's what I tell people your weekly review is. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> my weekly review is actually um, some time on Friday where I try and just like bring together all the loose threads and think about. What have I got going on next week? Mm-hmm. Have I got everything scheduled and lined up for what I want to do next week? And the theory of that is that over the weekend, I can just not think about think work about at all. Work. Yeah. So just put all and my ducks in order. You're at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. Have you seen mm-hmm. this? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, a, it's Saturday night. Put the Swiftly work away. On. <laughs> <laughs> so last on the list then would be to-do lists. Oh, and sure. Mm, my I favorite. I think this will be the most interesting one because I know that we all have very different mm-hmm. ways of putting tasks together. So right. when things need to get done, Lynn, where do they go? Um, okay. So the question had been, you know, what is it digital? Is it paper? Is it both? And my answer is both. I I love to-do lists. Um, it's kind of like this really sad satisfaction of being able to cross things off. And so I have to-do lists in both forms all over the place. But um, for me, as far as work goes, I have really fallen in love with tasks um, off to the side of your Google. What did we decide we're calling that now? Um, sidebar. Right? Sidebar. Mm-hmm. Off your sidebar, I had been using uh, like the check boxes on Google Keep mm-hmm. Notes, um, which was also nice because that's part of the sidebar and you can find it all over the place um, in all of your different G Suite 
apps, but um, I have fallen in love with tasks because you can... Um, tasks, tasks is going to die. You know that, right? I, yeah, okay. no, but I've fallen in love graveyard. with it. And go to the Google graveyard. Yeah, and yeah. I'm okay. super sad, but for right now, I am just embracing it um, for as long as I can because I like the fact that I can do subtasks. Um, and that it kind of groups it all together because I, I'd like to break down projects for myself because I've, I've learned, um, once again with our job that oftentimes we can put things on the back burner, um, because something else, uh, has come up and, and maybe is a little bit more pressing. And so I want to have those checkpoints to make sure that I've thought about all of the different components for a task. And so that's why I really like the fact that tasks have subtasks. Available. Um, so you just have one list of to-do list things. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Or at least digitally, in a way. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But then I also have, yeah, like you guys, it's it's really kind of, it's a problem. Um, but I really, I do love to-do lists because I feel like I need to, once again, keep things visible and constantly, um, we have so many things that are going on for us, um, big extended projects and things like that, and multiple projects that we have to manage those. And I, I just need to keep them um, as present as I possibly can. So I also, yes, I have paper to-do lists and I sit down and like, okay, here's my things that I, these are major ones for today. And um Constantly have, keeping them visible. Do you have like a special notebook or a special system? Are you like... Uh, um, I actually just bought a new bo- notebook. Um, Beth Swans will be so proud of me. Uh, it's really fantastic, you guys. It's like all in a day is what it's called. And it tells you like you mark off the date and you say your goal and your top to-do list and you make notes. Mm, I love it. Does it say something corny like be the best you no, <laughs> or something on the it? Cover or today says, is the day. No, okay. it says <laughs> like on each all day. in a day. And I okay. love it. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with it. But yeah, oh. um, I also, um, much like Beth, love getting new notebooks so, so how do you yeah. decide what goes on the tasks and what goes in the notebook? Um, sometimes it's double entry. Okay. Just because I need to kind of, once again, there's stuff that's really pressing and it's I have to write it down. I have to capture it right when I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, quite frankly, I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, right. All right, Mindy. Me next. Mm-hmm. Um, I do strictly paper to-do lists. Okay. Um, and I do one big um, at the beginning or the I should say at the end of the month, I go through and write, go through my whole month that's coming up and make a long to do list of just big things that had to have to get done. Um, and then if I need to sub to do list from those things, I will make a sub to do list all on paper. The only time that I really use a digital uh to-do list is like if I'm collaborating with someone and then I use keep, which is nice because then you can see who's got what done. And um, yeah. And then once that to-do list is done, I fold that piece of paper in half in my notebook, as you can see here. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I'll label them with different stuff. So like oh, my projects are labeled on the outside. So, cause it's just mixed into my notebook here, but um yeah, then I fold them over, and once this notebook is done, then I will get a new one. Do you keep your notebooks? Like, no. you would look back and no. reference something? Or? No. No? I will toss this when I'm done with it. Okay. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, I keep mine. You keep yours? Yeah. Okay. What do you do with them? Reference back. There will be do? times. Yeah. There will yeah. be times where I have How to. How many be notebooks like, do you go through a year? Uh, probably two or three. 
Oh my gosh. So do you like That's label them or number them for dates and things or? No, I, I kind of have a, a pretty good sense of what's in what notebook. Um, okay. So this is like deep thoughts with Lynn Kleinmeyer, but, um, I kind of have a photographic memory. So if I write it, uh-huh. I can picture it and mm-hmm. reference back to it. So I can tell you which notebook it's in and roughly where in the notebook it is. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I am the complete opposite of that. I do not have a photographic memory. <laughs> that <laughs> and is I, true. And I do not use paper. <laughs> yeah, I forget a lot of stuff. If I do not record it somewhere, uh, my entire system is digital. Do you um, think if you wrote more stuff down, you were, you would remember better? I'm just curious. I guess if it's th- possible. Yeah. I mean, there's research out there that the more you handwrite right. something, the more yeah. it retains in your brain. But I don't know. Um, I, I have mine digital to the point that like when I'm in the car, I will send an email to my to-do list and it will record oh. it in there too, because you can't write things down when you're in the car. And yeah, by the right. time I get to wherever I'm going, I forgot of this moment of genius sure. and then <laughs> yeah. it's gone. Right. How so, many moments of genius have been lost? Exactly. Yeah. So I use, um, like I said, I use, uh, an app called Todoist which works on all platforms. It works on the web. There's mobile apps. There's Mac, PC, whatever. And so no matter what device I'm using, I can uh, access my to-do list. I'm kind of so on it's the... to-do-ist or to-do list? To-do-ist. Got it. Yes. Okay. And I'm kind of on the uh, getting things done bandwagon for this one too. And one of their big things is you need to get everything out of your head and into a system that you trust. Otherwise... One, it will be nagging at you away for right. the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. I must remember to do this. I must remember to do this. And then you don't do other things or you're not as creative and freed up in your brain space. So all of that stuff goes into like a list called Inbox. And um, from there, it can be processed into a number of other lists. Oh. So I have like different lists for things. So I don't, I'll bring it up here. So I have a, a list called Projects. So like... Um, There's nothing in there. <laughs> no, there are projects in there. So like uh, Mindy and I are working on a, or have talked about working on a, a class to do for uh, teachers here. Ooh, so that's, that's a project. Afternoon. because We're going to talk about that this afternoon. Yeah. So that, that kind of thing has multiple steps, multiple things that need to be done. So that's a project. So that right. goes into the project file and, you know, bigger things. And then I've got things uh, like just the, the one one action stuff like claim mileage for this school no. I went to mm-hmm. so that goes on the to-do list Adding and that just to my like to-do the, list right I know now. that's in the next action list yeah um, I have a podcast list so if I see something on Twitter or something that I'm like oh that'd be good tech nugget oh. I add that to the podcast list then I go back onto there I have a list for home and personal stuff, like things I need to get done at home, like oh. re- replace the screen on the screen door and, and all this kind of stuff. So Does that your would go wife on there. get to email stuff to your to-do list? No, she has no oh. access to this at all. Can I email stuff? No, you have no How access to this. How does it work? Do you just have to know the email address? It's a special secret email address that I don't tell people. So oh, it's that would be super sure fun to get a hold of, yes. though. Yeah. Putting that on my to-do list. I've also got a list that's things like waiting for, like um, the stuff on here, like and like when Hulu's up for renewal or um, when I need to do an oil change and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'll schedule specific dates so that is on the to-do list, but it doesn't appear until a certain date. Mm. Um, I have a someday maybe list, which is oh, a... Oh, what's on there? Tell us your dreams. Oh, I like this one. It's one of those types of lists. 
Well, one of the things on here says chocolate fudge box brownie cheesecake recipe. Oh, that's oh. on my hopes and dreams list too. Make like, that. Someday maybe I'll make that. That looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, don't, I don't use it very much, but I've got a read later list where if I, I don't know, see a book or an article or something, I maybe put it on my reading list sort of mm-hmm. thing and I'll throw it in there too. So my to-do list is pretty intense sometimes just in terms of it has a lot of stuff on there, but it's part of how my brain works and how I remember things. I just put everything on the to-do list, no matter how small or, mm. or big it is. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. I, then I don't forget it. Yeah, sure. Wow. There you go. Insights to Jonathan pretty, pretty Wiley. Deep. Thank you. Dreams, maybe yeah. someday. The hopes and dreams label. I, I love that, though. Someday, maybe. Someday, someday maybe. Yeah. Maybe. All right, up next, my favorite part of the show is Tech Nuggets. Oh, look at you with your little nugget archive. Oh, Here. Yeah, Are you I'm, talking about that today? I can do. I'm, oh, okay. Were I'm, you planning on it? I'm putting you on the spot. No, that's fine. Okay. Um, Mindy and I will often find something for Tech Nuggets, and we'll look at each other and say, have we talked about this before? Right. Have we done this before? And right. we can never remember. So what I'm starting to do is put together a spreadsheet of mm-hmm. the nuggets that he we talk about. Yep, he said spreadsheet, folks. We're so proud of you. Spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spreadsheets are my goal of the year. <laughs> um, I put a spreadsheet together of nuggets that uh, would be searchable. And uh, I don't know, I guess we could put it in an awesome table or something if we really wanted I to. I thought you were going to use the Glide app. Uh, was I? Yes. Okay. That's not on our to-do that, list. That needs to go on the to-do yeah. list. Yeah. Apparently it does. Um, Maybe someday. Which isn't a big deal. You just import that, right? Yeah. Don't you just import that sheet into Glide somehow? I just don't know if it gets really long, if that would be oh. best suited for an app. Yeah, but right. Maybe. I don't know either. So there's a spreadsheet going around where I'm starting to add tech nuggets that we talk about in the show so that we can look back and see if we did talk about that right. or not. And I guess I could put that in the show notes if people are interested yeah. in seeing it. They can go back we'll and see index. our yeah. previous nuggets. Yeah. All right. Who's going first? I'll go first. Okay. Um, so I have, like I said, been completely like unplugged for the summer. And so Tech Nuggets yesterday was like, oh, my gosh, I've got nothing. And I started to look through Twitter. I'm like, eh. I know. You know how you also know how I love Twitter. Anyway, so um, I thought, you know what? I'm going to put something out on Twitter and I'm just going to ask and see how do teachers introduce a new tool? Because so often as tech integration people, we're like, there should always be a purpose. But at the start of the school year, at some point you are going to have to introduce a new tool to students. So how are you doing that? Um, So I heard back from Katie Marshall, which is uh, a tech coach and teacher at Midland elementary here in um, the Grantwood AA area. And she sent me two, actually. One of them, she said that she did on her um, within the first, because they just started school too. Um, they used the Sphero as an introduction and the kids changed the color of the Sphero and then um, to show what their favorite color was. And then they drove it to their partner. And so that was a way of introducing them to one another and also to use the Sphero for the first time. Hmm. Um, she also had green – she has green screen set up in her classroom. So she just has uh, just a green cloth, nice and easy, um, taped up to her, put up on her wall. And they did green screen, too, uh, with a mountain background. And the kids had to share one – I think it was a math goal, she said, about how they were going to climb that mountain and – 
tied it all together. That's so awesome. the kids did two easy tech tools and an introduction to both of those tech tools within the first couple of days of school. Easy peasy and still had a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Nice. nice. All right. I'll go next. And I'll just give a quick heads up to an app called Socratic by Google. I think it was an app that Google actually bought at one point mm. and uh, similar to some other things that they've done in the past. But it's available on iOS or Android. And, you know, you've seen those apps where um, students will scan a math problem yeah. and it will solve it for them. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. Um, so it's similar to that in some ways um, where you, you can have it solve it for you or it will give you like um, some little step by step directions right. for how things work or some other examples that follow the same kind of path. Mm-hmm. But they're doing it for more than just math. So um, it works for uh, in different ways, it will work for fiction, drama, poetry, algebra, geometry, trig, biology, chemistry, and physics. So, built to support all different kinds of curricular areas, and it's powered by Google AI. Um, uses that text and speech recognition for um, looking at the, the types of things you're showing it, and it will search the web and give you different things. So, it's kind of like a, like a Google search, basically, but it puts it in a nicer... Um, easier to understand way for uh, learning a topic. Nice. So free app. Free app. Where yeah. was that when I was in school? <laughs> I know it. Yeah, right. The internet didn't exist. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sad but true. Um, Google did not exist. <laughs> Google did not yep, exist. True. True. <laughs> we had dial-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lynn, Are you what doing you one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've Jeez, got. Come on. Well, I've got two. Okay. Um, so. Those of you who have worked with me know that I am totally obsessed with Unsplash, which is a great place to find um, high quality images that have been licensed for um, reuse and sharing. Um, And so I don't know where I've been and how I missed this, but I did not realize that Unsplash actually has an add on um, that you can put right into Google Sites. Mm. And so that was new to me Mm because I had been going out to the website. Uh Um, And so then as I was messing around with that, I discovered Unsplash for Education. Um, So Unsplash for Education uh, basically um, is a group that comes together. And um, what they've done is they've put together some collections that would be useful for educators to be able to share with their students. And so I was super excited to see some of these. Um, Oh my gosh, this box is adorable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're they're categorized by things that um, maybe students would be utilizing in um, their schoolwork on a regular basis. Uh, So Mm -hmm. everything from like pictures that coincide with education. Um, the history one I was super excited about, and I'm hoping that that's a collection that continues to um, evolve and, and develop. But I think a lot of the images from uh, that collection are coming actually from the New York Public Library, but they're um, historical images that kids can utilize. Um, so I was just, I was very, very excited nice, about this. Yeah. I thought it would be great for um, being able to send kids so that they're not having to search. They can just go within that mm-hmm. particular collection and find what they need for their schoolwork. Yeah, so right. way to go, Unsplash. I like it. Unsplash.com forward slash education. Yeah. Super excited. All right. Back to you, Mindy. So um, speaking of being under a rock with the Unsplash add-on, um, I have just started using Wakelet recently because Amber and I ran into a problem with our Think, Make, Innovate, all of the different um, artifacts that other schools send into us. And um, I had never used Wakelet before, and we were trying to figure out we needed a tool that you could embed 
into a website, but that would also house um, different links and images, media. Um, and Amber's like, I don't know why. Let's use Wakelet. Like, it, and I was like, I don't. Okay, sure. Um, and so I had never used Wakelet before, but when I got in there and started using it and adding stuff to our collection, we have a collaborative collection. And I thought this would be a really great tool for students to use for a portfolio. Why are we not using this for a portfolio? Because you can add um, links, you can add pictures, you can add things from your drive, you can add things from Twitter, you can add things from YouTube, all of the places that kids are sharing um, their learning and what they're doing all into one spot. Not to mention a great place for teachers to put resources for a class or for kids to take collab. Um, create a collection of collaborative research for mm-hmm. a class. I was like, man, I've totally been missing out on Wakelet. Like I've always heard people talk about it, but I'm not a bookmarker. That's And so I just kind of was like, eh, I'm not a bookmarker, so I'm not even going to use that. Um, so yeah, I, I thought Wakelet was kind of an – it's super easy to use too. Like anybody could it use It is super Wakelet. easy. And it's, it's once again, it's that visual um, collection that kind yeah. of helps people interact. Yeah, it makes it really pretty. It looks kind of like mm-hmm. a Pinterest board of sorts. You know, they're all in tiles and um, you can move them around and order them the way that you want them and stuff. So if you haven't looked at Wakelet, once again, I know I've been under a rock, but I thought, wow, this is a fantastic tool for educators. And it's free, too, which we never hear of anymore. So, Hey, I'm totally there with you. I also have not used Wakelet with any great purpose. I see lots of things that people are saying about how amazing it is, but yeah. I, it's one of those things I've not had the, I don't know, the need or right. the want to the purpose. use it, the yeah. purpose yeah. for it. Yeah, I have other things that fill that role. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Can you put a Wakelet inside a Wakelet? Um, I believe the answer is actually yes. Yeah, because you just add a link. Yeah. So it could be a Wakelet of Wakelets. So I'm, I'm thinking about your portfolio. Maybe you could have yeah. one. My portfolio, you could have like a sixth grade Wakelet and so a seventh a grade Wakelet. wakelet and an right. eight, yeah. And just send like a homepage Wakelet. One. Yeah. Yeah. Because all you need is a link. You just have that's you can share anything with a link. So and okay. that would be the case. That's cool. Yeah. And then it shares out to like Google Classroom, Microsoft Teams or something. Yeah. Is that, okay. So Microsoft Teams, um, Facebook, Twitter, and then a QR code you can just, mm-hmm. you know, print out or whatever, and then it generates its own code or its own link too. So lots of ways to share it. Nice. Yeah. I have uh, a second nugget to share with you all. And I guess it's keeping with the beta theme. We talked about mm-hmm. a couple of betas that Google have um, earlier in the show. And uh, this is another beta from Google, which I happen to see via Eric Kurtz, who tweeted about this. It's called Audience Connect, and it's a way to have your audience be more interactive inside of a Google Slides presentation. So what this will do is um, you start your Google Slide, and then it gives you like a code for people to join your slide, and then they will see your the, your slides on their device, and as you change slide. There's will oh. change slides. And so it's a way that people can um, connect on, on different devices and, and see things on their on their phones or their iPads mm-hmm. or their Macs and PCs. And I think for those kind of times where sometimes, I don't know, in the classroom where, you know, screens can be kind of small or people's right. vision might not be as great that you could see that um, happen as it happens there. Well, I, I don't know if it has is things like the... 
um, if you did closed captions when you were presenting, uh, would that appear on their screen as well through the Audience Connect? That would be interesting if it did. My guess is no, but I don't know that for certain. It's still beta. Maybe there's time no. for them to add that feature if that's not there. <laughs> I doubt it's mirroring your screen so much as just sharing the link to your screen, right? I mean, sharing the link to your presentation. Mm-hmm. So how is that different than just sharing the link of your presentation? Because when you move from one slide to the next... It does it for it them it automatically. For Almost like a Nearpod type of deal. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So can they interact with you through that? Like, can they ask questions like Q&A with slides or yeah. not? They can yes. do questions okay. and feedback. And nice. Things in, did you say that already? I'm sorry. I did not say oh, that okay. already. But yeah. Nice. Um, so you need to download something for your device um, oh. in order to like broadcast your, your slide and uh-huh. things like that. But um, it is available for... Um, first access people to sign up for it said on the the website that it should be available in august but um i haven't seen it yet and we're running out of days in august so yeah maybe they're pushing that back and i might bit. take hmm. back the fact that closed captionings would show up if it's changing the slide as you change the slide mm-hmm. that'd be really interesting to try it would have to be recording your screen i guess Somehow, to right? broadcast they're connecting, it out. especially if you're putting software of some sort on your computer almost too. like webinar style you yeah. know when you join a webinar right. and you see yeah mm-hmm. yeah so hmm. i guess we'll see it's called audience connect and i will put a link to that in the show notes all right nice is that all the nugs? No. Oh, I have okay. more. <laughs> no. One more. Uh, Pack of six here. Okay. okay. Yes. So um, one of them I thought would be uh, great to share was explore.org. Basically, it's um, some live cams of animals in their natural habitats. And I just thought this was kind of an interesting um, place to be able to go because oftentimes when you're talking about different biomes and different animals, um, you can't go and visit them um, on a field trip. And so I thought this was kind of an interesting one to be able to share uh, with your kiddos. Obviously, um, have to be aware of natural things happening um, on the the safaris and things like that. So just, you know, thought it was interesting to share. I'm Are watching you playing the f- it. Yeah. Oh, yes, he <laughs> was. There's an he animal is. in his throat. <laughs> um, like, oh my gosh. Mindy about jumped on the table. <laughs> like that was fantastic. I'm okay. watching the flying fox cam right now. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's What's one. What's doing these days? Hanging upside down. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hmm. and and things that will distract you. Um, I went down to the rabbit hole of there's one called Zen Cams, which is a collection of all of these different uh, live streams, everything from um, like rainstorms that are happening right now to beaches. Um, there's all sorts of really fantastic stuff. And so I like fell down this rabbit hole of checking some of these out. And one of them was the Aurora Borealis. And I was deeply saddened because um, I clicked on it and obviously being live cam, it was daylight and I didn't get to see much of anything. Oh, sure. Um, so, you know, obviously pros and cons to mm-hmm. the use of this, but sure. I just, I thought it was interesting um, to be able to uh, maybe have kids experience things that they don't get to on a regular basis. Yeah, right. But the other one is Unite for Literacy. Um, and there are a, a bunch of different places where you can go and you can find um, resources to uh, help support early access literacy, um, especially, you know, getting books in the hands of kids. And so this Unite for Literacy, I found to be kind of an interesting one. Um, it's a collection of books that kids can access for free. Um 
they're just kind of listed right there on the mm. site. But what was really cool, um, I haven't quite explored enough to figure out. I'm, I'm sure you can kind of search and narrow down, but there are quite a few that can um, be translated into other languages or read aloud in other languages. And so I thought that was really um, special about this particular one that I wanted to highlight. Um, but they did have, I, I have always been a fan of Wonderopolis. Mm-hmm. And so they actually have a collection of books that are developed from some of the Wonderopolis questions. Um, and so they're just, they're very early um, elementary books, but they would be a great resource to be able to get um, into the hands of, of parents and kids. So, All right. Well, that's, we all, all, the nugs. that's all the nugs. <laughs> we all have emails and to-do lists to get back to, so we should probably get back to it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I am at Team Carney on Twitter, and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLGWAA, and you can use our hashtag EdTechTakeout to take the show. If you prefer, you can send us an email to podcast at GWAA.org. So until next time. This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it at the spot. For more information on today's episode, please visit DLGWAA.org slash podcast. podcast.